0: All right, well, it's good to be with everyone today. Uh, good to have a few people that are, are back with us. I know there's a lot going on in a lot of our lives, and i um, thankful that we have a few people, or three people, not just a couple, but uh, three people here that are new to the area. Um, I grew up around Will. Uh, we're very different people now than we were when we were in high school, and uh, I went to school with Will and Allison at Auburn, and they just moved to the area from Corpus Christi, so hopefully uh, you all can get to know them, not just their... Their daughter, Mavery, uh, even though it's really tempting to just focus on her, I'm sure. Um, but I'm thankful that they're here with us today. And I was really, really encouraged when Will called me a couple weeks ago saying they were going to be moving here. Um, and I think it was pretty last minute. I think he called me like two days after he found out or a few days after. And uh, then they were here. So um, a lot going on with them, but thankful that they are able to be with us and work through some of the difficulties of the move and everything like that and get a little bit settled. Uh, We're going to start in Colossians 2, and we're going to reread some of the things that uh, James read for us this morning, and then um, we'll get into the lesson. So let's go ahead and read Colossians 2. I want to start with verse 6. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him, who is the head of all rule and authority. We'll read the rest of uh, that section uh, towards the end of the lesson, but I think it's really interesting that Richard chose that song because he didn't ask me what I was preaching on. Um, but the whole psalm we just sang was about the foundation specifically of the church, but really we're talking about just our foundation, right? I mean, the church is the body, and the body is made up of the members, which are us. And so um, I think it's really interesting and kind of funny and ironic how that, that happens a lot. Um, sometimes people's thoughts are on the same wavelength, and usually it's not mine and Richard's thoughts that are on the same wavelength, but they must have been uh, in preparation for today. I want to talk about being rooted and built up in Christ. That's what he says in verse 7. He says that you've received Christ, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith. So I think that what he's saying is that you've received Christ, and what's going to help you to walk in him is being rooted and built up in Christ. Now, this is not something that Paul is saying to the Christians in this area because um, he is like coming back to them necessarily, or he has plans to necessarily come back, and he knows he's going to see them, and he wants to hear a report or anything like that. We, we don't know exactly all that's going on, but we know one thing, that he's not with them, and he wishes he could be with them. He says that in the previous few verses in Colossians 2. I think it's also important to keep in mind what he says at the beginning of Colossians, that he, this is, seems to be a really solid group. Um, he praises them, and he says that he gives God thanks for their faith, um, for their walk in love, and for their hope that they are um, living in, in light of. But what he does say in the first uh, section, the first few verses here of Colossians 1, he seems to have um, not cons- maybe, maybe a little bit of concern, not that he's worried because they don't have knowledge, but in verse 9, his prayer is that they may be filled with the knowledge and um, all spiritual wisdom and understanding. I think that's because although they were solid now, there were some things that were going to happen and maybe just were happening in the present that would cause some people to be led astray, cause them some people to be confused, and even kind of forget the teaching that they had been uh, taught uh, originally. And Although you could be very solid and sound and you could have good works, so you can have a strong faith and you could be like really I mean we we just got done this last year talking about how everything you know built up to love there in 2nd Peter and how love is like really the the thing it all hinges on all those qualities of of being a uh, Christian but it's also like the culmination of it like it's so hard to get to that point where you have that and you live that and you show that out but he says in the first few verses of Colossians 1, they, they seem to have that. And they've heard, and he's heard of this. And they, they're living in light of the hope that they have in Christ. Well, that doesn't mean that they're immune to other teachings influencing them, or that they could be distracted by all the chatter. Because as we look down in Colossians 2, he, he lists some things that, are, that could take them captive. He lists philosophy and empty deceit. According to human tradition, so the human tradition seems like it's part of the philosophy and empty deceit, but maybe it's something different as well. According to the elemental spirits of the world, so it's almost like things that seem spiritual, but they don't have any basis in Christ and in God, but they sound spiritual and good. Those type of things are also um, being talked about. You know, when, when I think of our lives today um, and when I think of my life, I think of all the chatter around and I think of how distracting it is for me. It never used to be distracting for me, but now, um, and we'll get into some of the specifics later, but there, there's just so much being talked about. There's so, much, so many ideas that, you know, you could let influence your way of thinking. And, you know, one of the tough things is that you don't <coughs> always see how those ideas will show themselves in your actions and in your, in your life. And I think that as we get into the lesson, that it'll be pretty clear that our foundation, the things that we trust in, the things that we listen to, and that we kind of allow to really affect our heart and our mind, they they do show themselves in our actions. You know, Jesus talked a lot about foundations and our roots, and he talked about it in a few different ways. Um, he talked about soil and how there's a certain type of soil that, soil that receives the seed and it lasts and it takes root and there's um, fruit that's produced from that. But there's a lot of other soil that it really rejects or the, the seed, which is the word, he says. Or, you know, it, it accepts it for a while and then it, and then it just kind of uh, chokes it out. Uh, he talks about how there is someone that builds a house and one person builds it on solid ground and one person builds it on sand. One house stands tall, and I don't know how tall, but I mean, one house stands, and the other house has a great fall. And then he talks about a tree that is known by its fruit. And he used this example to show the type of tree, uh, that the type of tree determines the fruit. So I find it interesting in my life that sometimes I can think about my actions, and if I really examine them, they don't reflect the the root. They don't reflect the seed that was sown. And there are other times where my actions really do reflect the seed that it was sown being Christ. But really at my core, I'm not really focused on Christ. I'm just like my actions act like they do. And I I think that's a tough thing for us to examine in our lives is, is is the root. Am I rooted in Christ and are my actions reflective of that? And those two things both need to be there. Let's go over to 1 Corinthians 3. I want to talk a little bit more about the idea of a foundation and what we could be rooted in. In 1 Corinthians 3, um, he doesn't really talk about all the different foundations. He actually says that there's only one foundation. But he talks about a lot of different things that we can build uh, that founda- build upon that foundation. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 3, we'll begin in verse 11. And this is after he's just said that you know, he's laid the foundation, which was uh, based on Christ. Uh, that you know, God gave him this and someone else is building upon it and then verse 11 he says for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid which is Jesus Christ now if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones wood, hay, straw each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward." So I think you take this passage a couple of different ways. One is that it's speaking specifically to those that teach and continue building on top of a foundation that was laid. Um, We know of another passage where he says that um, I planted, Apollos watered, and God gave the increase. Kind of like that, like working with people and teaching people. So. Um, you think back, and these people were taught, he says, by Paul. And he says, I laid a foundation. And then uh, someone else is building upon it. So once you lay the foundation, the work's not done. You have to build upon that, right? Well, what are you building with seems to be the, the point he's trying to draw out and, and really cause them to consider. Are you building with things? Are you allowing people to build on your foundation with things that will last, or is it things that will be burned up? If you build with things that w- once they go through the fire, they, are, they prove themselves to be true and pure, well, those things will lead to a reward. Another way to take this, I think, is just when we think about our life and we think about just our foundation and what we're building on ourselves, not like what I'm helping Richard or Daniel build upon or anyone else. If you know? I didn't think about just my life, what is the foundation that's there? For some of us the foundation could be uh, built by someone who we really trust and we love and we think they had our best interests at heart and it, and we and we've tested that foundation and we we believe it's true and it's based in Christ some of us we sit back and we think well the foundation that was laid actually was was laid by someone who didn't really know the truth they really didn't build the right way but I found that the foundation I found a that the foundation um, just needed a little bit of changing and it's actually true. Like I'll give you an example, like you could have been brought up by, you know, a very loving mother who, you know, she loved you, good intentions, everything, and she taught you to be a good person, right? But there wasn't a lot of depth as far as like spirituality or focus on, on God. But the things that she taught were actually right. Like taught you to, the, the things she taught you to do were actually in line with scripture. But then later on, you realize that, you know what? That foundation wasn't actually right. That foundation was not the right foundation. I need to be founded and rooted in Christ and in God. And then let those actions and and the good things she taught me actually um, take form after that. And there could be other people that are here that uh, the things you were taught, you've had to just go back and just dig it all up. Because that foundation was not any sort of, not that there was no semblance of goodness there, but the teaching was totally wrong. It was not based in God. It was not based in Christ. And there were some fundamental things that need to be uprooted in order for you to go in and actually lay a foundation that is true. Well, regardless of if you're thinking about that in that way or if you're thinking about it as, you, as a teacher or something like that, the point that Paul seems to bring out in 1 Corinthians 3 is that everything that you build on that foundation is tested. And it is, I don't think he's saying it's tested by people, He says it's tested and becomes manifest. For the day will disclose it. What day? Well, I think it's the Lord's day. The Lord's day, when when that happens, it everything will be tested. Your foundation and what you've built on that foundation will be put to the test. And so the question is, what have you built? What what have you been using? Have you been using? uh, And I don't think he even really seems to, you know, diminish the the uh, the materials that could be used here. I think he's just saying make sure it's actually good material. Uh, you could use gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw. As long as, it holds, uh, as long as it holds its value and it's pure, and when the fire comes in and tests it, it's actually worthwhile and it's you know, something that lasts, that's fine, there's a reward there. But do you really think that hay is going to last the test of fire? You think straw is going to last the, a test of fire? The way I think, the answer is no. And that could be a lot. There could be a lot of fluff that we build upon Christ with. It could be a lot of things that really don't have much weight to it. So we really need to take great care who we listen to and who influences um, our thoughts and, therefore, our actions. So I guess the question, let's go back to Colossians, is what kinds of things could people be? What kinds of things could people have as their foundation? What kinds of things could people be rooted in and built up in? Well, I'll list out a few things that I, I thought of. Um, it seems like recently I've been more and more inclined to like pay attention to politics, and I feel like it's the worst time in history, in our country's history at least, to actually put a focus on politics because talk about a lot of empty deceit. Talk about a lot of just chatter and babbling. Talk about a lot of negative talk that is does not build up that's that's all that's around us, and I think that's probably part of why I wanted to go to this passage is, it's not that I don't want to be informed it's that I'm tired of let, letting those things I'm hearing affect me and I wonder if in school people experience the same things a lot of chatter, a lot of babbling, a lot of uh, philosophical teaching and, and ideas that you know really when you boil it down it's it's just not truth it's not. It's not based on the foundation that Jesus is the son of God and I need to pay attention and listen to him. There could be a lot of other foundations, though. Foundations could be um, things that we hear at work, and it could be our boss telling us that, you know what, hey, if you want to succeed, if you want to do this, you got to do this. That little thing could be kind of a foundation that you start building on. It could be something in a relationship that you're in. Um, you think back to the story of Job that we referenced uh, briefly this morning about persecutions. You know, if he had just let that little nugget, it wasn't really nugget. His wife kind of like talked his ear off a little bit um, in Job. But if he had let that nugget of just like, like, you know, come on. like, It's almost like she's saying, you are doing good. You had done good. You know, this, God's doing this to you for no reason. Unlike his friends who were saying, you must have sinned. She said something that's actually appealing to Job, if you think about it. Like, she almost solidifies and kind of like compliments him, saying, Yeah, you've been righteous. You know what you need to do now? You need to curse God and die. That's what you should do. Because what other response is there? If he had let that little thing take root in him, who knows what the end of his story would have been? Um, God might have been patient with him, but he would have lashed out at God. He would have turned his back on God at one point, probably. Um, But he didn't. Or that doesn't seem like he did, at least. Um, So it could happen in a relationship. It could happen at work. It could happen in school. It could happen just as you look on YouTube. I mean, there's so many different things that can affect this. One of the things that Paul says in Galatians 1 is that if you receive, if anyone teaches you anything other than what I've presented to you, let him be accursed. He kind of references that again also in 2 Corinthians 11. And he t- goes into greater detail there. So I also wonder if maybe there's some things that we could have laid as a foundation in our lives that are in line with, like, or they're in the realm of spiritual things. It's, you know, this is good. I'm, I'm using the Bible. And, you know, what do I need to take root in? I, w- I wonder if some of those things could even be wrong at times. And I think one of the lessons we get from Paul is that you need to actually consider who's bringing you the teaching. Um... And you need to weigh it against the teaching of Christ and the teaching of his apostles. You know, there's some that would believe that there was someone or some people that came after Jesus that we need to listen to. And on one hand, yeah, there's some people we could listen to that came after Jesus, they were his apostles. And there were some other people even after that that probably could be listened to. But I must say, great concern and care that the knowledge that can be gained from those teachings matches up with the knowledge that we gain through Christ. And if there's any discrepancy, you, you're always safe erring on the side of Christ in that. It, it shouldn't be something where we, we feel like an internal battle. Of, well, I, I really trust this person, and I, I think what they're saying makes sense, but it does seem to go a little bit against what I read in Luke 7, whatever, whatever it is, you know. And Well, on that, in that situation like just kind of put aside the relationship that you have with that person. You need to just stick to what Jesus says. You just go back and think, okay, what is my foundation based in? If it's not Christ, then it's nothing. Um, It's one of the things that he kind of makes a point in 1 Corinthians 3. he, He makes a point that like Christ is the only foundation. Like God is the only foundation. And I think what he's saying is that if you want to be godly, there's only one foundation you can have. Yeah, you know, there are other people who could be rooted and built on other things like sports. Um, just the idea of having a good time. Um, I mean, sports, I've realized it really, I don't know if it controls my life, but it uh, definitely dictates a lot of things that I do and or don't do. And, like, I mean, tonight, I mean, I was, I was invited to do a couple of different things that weren't, like, spiritual things as like far as, like, studying with someone. It was, like, just having fun. I was, like, I'm sorry, I'm going to the Braves game. You know, Sorry. And then I think I've said that about three or four things lately about, you know, I'm doing this, oh, I got to go do this. And a lot of times it revolves around sports. And I I should just take a look at that and think, am I allowing sports and just like things that I enjoy like that be a foundation for me? You know, I don't think that me going to the Braves game tonight signifies that because it was just going to eat pumpkin pancakes. Um, But what if it had been something that was of more value? Um, Pumpkin pancakes sound great, but... (laughs) I can eat those anytime. I, I want to go to the Braves game tonight, but what about some other things? Like, what about what if someone was really, really struggling and they said, "Hey, I'm I'm in a I'm in a dark place right now," you know? Well, can you wait for tomorrow night because uh, I have plans tonight? And I'm not saying that you know if I'm unable to do something because I have a, a prior commitment that it automatically means like, oh, I'm unspiritual, I'm going to hell. What I'm saying is that I need to evaluate that and maybe reevaluate it. Um, if I have evaluated that recently. It could be that you find your root in books or hobbies or art, and it's not sports. It could be that you find it in politics. and Whatever it is, I think that you need to just consider that those things don't lead to anything that is real. Those things don't lead to anything that lasts long. Those things will be burned up. That's one of the things 1 Corinthians 3 teaches us. I think Ecclesiastes is a great book that if you want to kind of really think about and consider what life is all about. Um, you Make sure to get past the few ch- first few chapters, though, before you just kind of give up on life, because it's pretty easy to do. Um, in a, on our Monday night study, we're going through Ecclesiastes, and uh, after the first study, there was a guy that was like, I don't like, I don't, I'm like, you need to hang on. Yeah, I, I mean, because one of the things he says is, with much knowledge, there's vexation. Like, it is hard to, to wrap your head around and to accept that this life doesn't bring a lot of things that are meaningful with it. Not that there's aren't good things that happen in this life or can happen, but what's going to be there in the end? Like when the day comes, when the Lord's day happens, what what have I gained in this life that's going to actually last and going to you know stand true? Not much. Let's go over to Ephesians five. Ephesians and Colossians are two passages that are very similar. Um, they I mean, they almost mirror each other. Um, And there's a chance that Colossians was basically taken from Ephesians and was just kind of Paul, like, amending a few things or, you know, taking a few things out or something like that. But it's very similar. In Ephesians 5, we'll begin in verse 6. Paul says, Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore do not become partners with them, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them, for it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. And then he goes on to say that everything that everything is going to be exposed by light, and everything is going to be seen. Empty words lead to empty actions which leads to an empty faith. And that's just deceitful. Um, If if people try to feed you empty words, things that aren't true, things that don't amount to much, well, that's probably just leading you to doing nothing, or nothing of substance, at least. And that's causing you to be in darkness. And I think that a lot of the people that listened to those Pharisees in the days of Jesus, they were listening to empty words, which led to actions, but they were empty actions. And really... Jesus himself said that they were blind. You know, they asked, are you saying they were blind? And he was like, hey, look, <laughs> I mean, you see now. But I think his, the implication is before before Jesus came on the scene, they were blind. They were in darkness. True words lead to true knowledge and righteousness, Righteousness, which is really walking in the light. And we, we studied through 1 John uh, several months ago. I could have been a year ago. No, I don't really remember. Um, but you know, one of the things we talked about there is that we need to walk in light, as He is in the light, right? I mean, John one is very clear that Jesus came and He is the true light. And if we so we take First John and John one and we combine it, if we just walk in the light of Christ, then I'm walking in the light of God, and I know that I'm that I'm doing what God wants me to do. So I guess the kind of Question is then okay. So, talked a lot about what we're built on, what our foundation is. Kind of, that's not really a lot of application. All that, all that is there. So, what what could this lead to? Um, Like, what what will happen if I'm not rooted and built in the right things? And what what should happen? And I guess another question we could ask is, um, how has He allowed us to be rooted and built on Christ? Let's go back over to Colossians. We'll finish reading that section in Colossians 2. Uh, We'll pick up in verse 11 and read through verse 14. Colossians 2 verse 11. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. By putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead, and you... How has he allowed us to be rooted and built in Christ, and what do we have now that, we, now that that's happened, if that has happened? Well, one of the amazing things that I see there is in verse 14, he's canceled the record of debt that stood against us with his legal demands. Um, the law served a purpose, and it served a great purpose. But one of the things that we read of in the Scripture is that what the law did was kind of show us our sin. That's what the law does. Um, It's not that there was no way of having some sort of of repenting to God that he didn't provide a way, but that way of repenting to God, it was not lasting forever. It it didn't last long. So Jesus was required. The sacrifice of the only begotten of God was required. And through that, he's canceled the record of debt. It says that he set it aside. He set aside the law and its demands, and he nailed it to the cross. That's not to say that the law of Jesus. That I think we talked we talk about that last Sunday. Um, maybe that's another study. But I, I feel like we talked a little bit about the difference, and we have the law of Christ and the law of of Moses, basically. And really, are we freed from one? But are we truly free in the other? Well, yes and no. Um, It's our choice to be brought under the law of Christ. It's our choice to say, you know what, I'm going to be a servant. Not that I'm enslaved to this law. I choose to be a servant of Christ. And in in that way, we're still under a law. But it's not like it has demands that um, are, are hard to bear, where there's not a path where I can be forgiven if I don't do that or if I go against that law. So he's nailed that old law. He's nailed that law. Uh, with its legal demands to the cross and he, then he says that he disarmed the rulers and authorities put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him there's a chance he's talking about Pilate, Felix and, or whoever else was you know, in power at the time but I also wonder if he's talking about spiritual authorities and rulers who did God, who did God put to open shame when Jesus was raised from the dead Satan Put him to open shame. I mean, I'm not saying everybody knew, but everybody that that saw Jesus, everybody that that had listened to him, they knew at that point that Satan had no power. That if if they were to believe in God and to draw near to him, that they would have access to him fully. Because they believed that Jesus was his son at that point. Uh, I think the New King James says that he handcuffed the authorities, uh, and I I really like that idea. You know, they actually um, bound Jesus. But once he died, and once they wrapped him up, and they put him in a tomb, kind of looks like a little bit like a prison, and they left him there. And then, him being raised from the dead and proving that he's the Son of God, it handcuffed all those authorities and put them in bondage. So that's what we have access to if we are rooted. In Christ and he also allows us to be rooted in Christ through these things through the sin that we can have forgiven of and through the fact that there's nothing standing in our way from having access to Christ from believing in him from his teaching so why does all this matter well besides the fact that Jesus makes it clear that our root what we're rooted in matters when he talks about he's the vine in John 15 we're the branches right like what we're rooted in and built up in matters Besides that, I want to go to Hebrews 13. There's a couple passages and then the lesson will be yours. Hebrews 13, I want to read starting in verse number 9. Hebrews 13, beginning in verse 9. Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods which have not benefited those devoted to them. We have an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat, For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. If we are not established in Christ, then we make the sacrifice of Jesus null to us we don't have an altar or sacrifice for God and that also means we have no city that is yet to come last we'll passage will be 2nd Timothy chapter 2 2nd Timothy 2 and we'll start in verse 16 2nd Timothy 2 verse 16 but avoid irreverent babble for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness their talk will spread like gangrene among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus who have swerved from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already happened. They are upsetting the faith of some, but God's firm foundation stands, bearing the seal. The Lord knows those who are his, and let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. What we're rooted in matters because that affects everything. That affects how we live, it affects what we believe in, it affects what we put our trust in, And in the end, it will affect what we hear on the Lord's day. If we want to be rooted in Christ, we just need to cling to Christ and and ignore all the irreverent babble, the strange teachings and doctrines, um, even if it's from people that we trust that we really think have our best interest in the heart. Um, I remember a time where I, I know my stepdad has a great love for me, and he wants the best for me, but I remember certain conversations we had when I was younger, and it, it was like little things that I didn't want to do, that he wanted me to do, that I felt like it wasn't going to be right because I was a Christian and, and he wasn't. And I don't think at all he, he was saying, you shouldn't do this or you should do this because I want you to go to hell. Because I want you to be deceived and tricked. I don't think that was his heart or his motivation. I think truthfully what he was thinking was, I don't see anything wrong with this. And I think that would be best for you. The problem is that doesn't always line up with the teaching of God. It doesn't always line up, in fact, I would say, rarely doesn't line up with the true teaching of Christ. How many people were there listening to Jesus, hearing the things he said and said, "This is a hard statement. This is a hard teaching. Even his own disciples, after they'd been with him for at least two years, sat there and they said, "This is hard. Who can bear it?" When they taught about the you know, it is difficult for a rich person to enter into the kingdom of heaven. In, in the world we live in, in, in the societal atmosphere, the political atmosphere that we're in, I think it's very easy, for me at least, to pay too much attention to things that aren't aren't helping me build on the foundation of Christ. And I wonder if that's affecting my actions. It's definitely affecting my speech. Tell you what, if there's a lot of babble and just irreverent things that are you're listening to, that's what's going to wind up coming out of your mouth. I never I never wanted to believe that because I always wanted to like listen to whatever I listen to and watch whatever movies I want to watch. But I, I see it in my conversations with people. I see it now. And I feel like I have more self-control now than I did when I was 14 or 15. And I, it still influences the things I say and the way I think. So my encouragement for all of us is make sure that you're rooted and built in Christ. But also understand that we have a great seal that has been set. The Lord knows those that are his. Jesus said that he had many sheep that were not of that, that were not there, that were still of his um, sheepfold. And I hope that's all of us. But one of the things that it also says is that we need to put aside iniquity. We need to make sure that we are being joined with Christ, not only in our beliefs, but also in our actions. And I have no doubt that on his great day, when everything is burned up and our deeds are even put to the test and our beliefs are put to the test that we will have a reward. And like Hebrews talked about that city that is yet to come. We look forward to that city. So whatever's getting in the way of you getting to that point where you have that reward or you feel confident that that city is waiting for you one day, I would just encourage you to you know, cling to what's good and put aside the things that are distracting you. And if we can help with any of that, whether that's praying for you, whether that's just um, certain things that are coming up in the future for you that we should be mindful of in prayer, things that are present. Either way, that's fine. You know, Let someone here know. We would like to help with that. Um, And if in the coming days you think about some things and you think, you know what, I, I need to be more rooted in Christ, and you believe that some more study on some specific things is what's needed, reach out to one of us. We would love to help with that. Richard's going to lead us in a closing song, and if you do have something that you need to either confess or ask for prayers for, feel free to let me know, but if it's after service, let one of the other guys know.